Welcome to the audiobook speakeasy. I'm Rich Miller, and I'm your host here at the speakeasy. This is where you'll meet narrators, coaches, engineers, and other audiobook professionals, as well as some listeners who will be sharing what they look for in a good audiobook. If you're interested in audiobook production, you've come to the right place. Tonight's speakeasy chat is being brought to you by Squeaky Cheese Productions on the Cutting Wedge. You can find them on the web at squeakycheeseproductions.com. So come on in, grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us for a friendly chat about audiobooks. My guests tonight are a narrating team. Ralph Scott and Kendra Murray, thanks for joining me in the speakeasy tonight. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is cool. My pleasure. I'm, I'm glad we could get together. I want to get this out there right at the very beginning. I want everybody to know that Ralph and Kendra are Squeaky Cheese Productions, and Squeaky Cheese Productions has been a sponsor of the audiobook Speakeasy for a while. However, this uh, interview is not because they are sponsors. It's because we had a, a kind of started a separate conversation about duet narration at some point, and I thought about it a minute. I thought, hey, wait a minute. I have never had a speakeasy chat with a narrating team that does duet narration. I have spoken with romance narrators who do both dual and duet with various different people, but I've never had a team on who does this regularly. So uh, I thought this would be a, a great topic. So thanks for coming in. Our pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's uh, Duet narration is a real... Um, it's, it can be a challenge at times. I will not kid you. It can be a challenge. Um, yeah, no, and, I'm sure. Yeah, but it's a, it's a challenge that we really love. Yeah, that's that's great. That's great. So this being a speakeasy, uh, Ralph, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> um, it is a... Would it, you like me to describe it for you? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm actually a guinea pig tonight um, for, a, for a concoction that my lovely co-narrator uh, came up with. So I have a name for it, but it only was recently named like 10 minutes before the show. So please, what, what's in this? Um, so this is a non-alcoholic drink. Um, and um, kind of like everybody's having to do right now, you're kind of um, putting together things you have in your house because yeah. you're not getting out as often yep. uh, right now. And so this is actually a, mm, a very modified idea of the gin and tonic. But it is a... Um, Tell them what's in it. It's made with um, seed lip garden distilled spirits which are non-alcoholic i've and seen ads tonic. for those so many times now i keep meaning to buy some just to try them yeah yeah it's um it, it's it's beautiful stuff um honey and it's got rose water honey uh simple syrup in it nice i call it buzz, the buzzer the buzzer the in buzzer. honor of bees all right well that, act, that sounds great yeah it's interesting it's um i i think the green stuff that's in it oh yeah um, the mint is uh it does give it a certain kick <laughs> that's that's very cool i yeah i've seen ads for seed lip for quite a while now my uh facebook feed i think about about 75 percent of the ads are for distilleries and about uh, yeah. 15 percent of the ads are for non-alcoholic drinks and the other ads are for various other random things that i buy online but um but it it continues to look really interesting to me and it seems to me that it would be um a good way to try to build some non-alcoholic beverages. And I d try to do that on a regular basis because we have a, a few friends who come over who don't drink. And I know that. And I'm always happy to try to come up with something that they would find good. So um, so that's great. Yeah, um, very, very flavorful. It's um, uh, a nice, um, it's a crisp 
flavor, I would say. Sort of mint meets cilantro or something. And cool. it may be counterintuitive, but I'm wondering if it's possible if I put this in a barrel, dug a hole, and left it under the house for six months, whether it will ferment. <laughs> <laughs> you give that a try and let us know. Kendra, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> We're drinking the same thing because I'm the uh, I'm the cocktail waitress here in the house. And oh, so I, I really see. Have... All right. So she you sort just... of threw herself on her sword here. Um, Got you know, it. I mean, I'm not guinea pig. There are two guinea pigs right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I am I am joining you with a drink that actually has alcohol. Um, you would actually think, given the name, that it has more alcohol. This is a Hemingway Special. It's actually uh, one of my one of my oh. new favorites. Um, uh, as many people might know, Hemingway was quite the drinker and uh, came up with quite a few concoctions over the years. On a on a previous episode, I think it was in uh, in the '60s somewhere. I had a uh, Death in the Gulf Stream, which I enjoyed quite a bit. <laughs> that's that's one of his. Uh, this is also though one of his, and uh, it's uh, light rum, grapefruit juice, a little bit of maraschino liqueur, and a little bit of lime juice, and uh, it's a great refreshing drink. Although I have like- to say, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of of white rum, not because I think it's bad, but because I don't think it has all that much flavor. So, um, I'm going to be making this at some point with some dark rum and see if I like it more. But, uh, but I, I do think it's a, it's a great drink. So, um, so this is great. Thanks for joining me here in the speakeasy. Cheers. Cheers. All right. So, uh, so Ralph and Kendra, I assume you have not been joined at the hip since birth. So, uh, Ralph, where are you from? Uh, originally from uh, the backwoods of Long Island, uh, the South Shore, um, and uh, about 40 minutes outside of Manhattan. I, uh, by the age of 13, I moved to the Philadelphia suburbs. Um, so I had to give up part of my accent for putting the little uh, gator on the tit, as it were, because I was in um, I was in Philadelphia right about the time that uh, preppies were coming into vogue. Ah, the nice Izod symbol. I remember that well. Nice, yeah. And um, I was suddenly surrounded in a in a uh, preparatory high school by kids who could trace their lineage back to the Mayflower. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm this I'm this guy from New York and uh, trying to hide this accent, which you can't hide when you now when I get cut off in traffic, but. Uh, <laughs> I would say that uh, I spent my formative years in Philly and then uh, went went to college in upstate New York, Cornell, go Big Red, and then uh, moved out to L.A., spent 17 years in L.A., uh, a couple of years in the Oakland Hills, a year in Long Beach. It sounds like I'm on the lamb from the feds, um, <laughs> and then uh, ended up in Petaluma, uh, where I would eventually meet my uh, co-narrator, uh, to-be spouse, you know, she was, she was a narrator before she was my spouse. That's cool. So, (laughs) so, um, so you were, uh, you spent some time in Northern California. You said the Oakland Hills. I hope you weren't there during the fires. Uh, No, I wasn't there during the fires. I I missed that by a few years, but I fell in love with the Oakland area. I fell in love with the East Bay. Um, I, I think it, uh, Oakland, um, has an undeserved reputation at times. And I found it to be a beautiful working and living environment. Uh, I, uh, I loved my neighbors. I loved the atmosphere. I loved running around Lake Merritt and, um, some of the finest eateries that you'll find in Northern California, uh, perhaps only bested by here in Petaluma. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I really, uh, the, the East Bay is a really, if you, if you get lucky enough to move to the East Bay, 
I encourage people to test it out because it really is a beautiful place. I would not disagree. My uh, sister lives in Dublin, and so that's quite quite a bit east. But um, but she lives out there, and she's been there for geez, I think thirty years now. And uh, oh. I, I spent quite a few years in San Leandro, so I got uh, somewhat somewhat familiar with the area. Yeah. Um, and, and I agree, I have, uh, had more than one trip out to Oakland for various different reasons and found it really nice. We, uh, I was actually seeing somebody at the time of the Oakland Hills fire who had a friend who lived in the Oakland Hills and, uh, she, it was one of those weird situations where the fire destroyed an entire block and then it skipped a block and then mm-hmm. it destroyed the next block and, uh, hers yeah. was in the block that was not destroyed. And it was mm-hmm. one of those weird we actually toured the next day um they let us in because this this woman lived there and uh it was eerie it was very strange and i know that was a very very difficult time for a lot of people in oakland kendra and i toured the uh toured santa rosa um after the 2017 fires oh yeah that was uh, ugly too it was ugly and all you could see for miles it felt like were chimneys and Weber grills. Those were yep. the only things that was the, uh, it was a very strange experience very and yeah. uh, we both broke during it. It was, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, no, I, so, I understand. So Kendra, how about you? Where are you from? I am an East coast girl. Also, I, um, uh, yes, you're an East coast girl, baby. Didn't you know that? <laughs> now, you tell, now you tell me after the wedding. <laughs> yes. Uh, we both grew up on the East coast, but didn't get to meet until we were out here in California. Um, I grew up in the Berkshires in Massachusetts hmm. um, and spent a couple of years in Tennessee where I learned that, in fact, yes, people from Western Massachusetts do have an accent. <laughs> I did not know that. I only thought that Bostonians had an accent when I was a little girl uh. until I moved to Tennessee and couldn't understand anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then how did you end up out in Petaluma? Uh, well, I um, I went to school in Washington State, and my uh, previous husband and I moved to California after he got hired to work um, in the San Francisco area. Oh. And I have loved Petaluma and didn't want to leave it. And um, it actually turns out that my husband, Ralph, went to school with my brother. They both went to Cornell. No kidding. Um, At the same time? Yeah. Uh, you're apart. Yeah, they're your part. Wow, school. how funny! Yeah. But, uh, I, yeah, I love I love those stories. It's a small world after yeah, all. Now that'll be a really bug is. in everybody's ear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know he didn't attend any of our fraternity parties because he would not have lived no, in. No, right? he was too busy rowing out on the water. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, well, that's very cool that you met. So tell me how it is that uh, you got together. What were you doing at the time? And what was the um, the nexus where you were able to uh, meet each other and realize that you could both be narrators together. Ooh. Well, it actually wasn't together. It was with 20 other people. Um, okay. We, we might were... not, we might not want to go into too many details. But... <laughs> <laughs> Let me qualify that. Um, at the time uh, I was producing for the Petaluma radio players. We were uh, taking scripts from around the world and uh, vetting them, and then uh, performing them in a live radio theater setup, but you know, recording them and then and then uh, broadcasting them on KPCA.fm and which on the World Wide Web. Um, and uh, Kendra sent an email 
Well, I saw you guys. I saw you guys perform. Oh, that's right. At your Christmas offering with, I think it had three or four different the winter show her plays, and I was fascinated. And I thought, why am I not doing this? This looks like so much fun. Um, and I came from a theater background, but that was many, many years ago. And so I, I searched them out on their website and, uh, um, Ralph had put on there. If you think you have a face for radio, please get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> so I reached out and said, I definitely have a face for radio and I'd love to know more about you guys and what you do. So he invited me to come to a um, reading list. It was just a, a table read, mm -hmm. um, trying out some new plays that they had uh, brought in. And I went, I sat in, I read, and um, they welcomed me in with open arms. And then um, the love affair grew from well, there. The love Ooh. affair, in fairness, the love affair was first very creative. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that yes. is uh, some of those plays that Kendra read for, they were not new. One was uh, Our Miss Brooks from 1955, I think, 53 or 55. They did a movie and out of that, didn't they? Yeah, yes. it was a TV series. A TV, TV series. series, yeah, yeah, yeah. With, uh, uh, Eve Arden, yeah. right? And um, Kendra blew us away with her uh, portrayal of Miss Brooks, you know, and I was like, wow, uh, this actor really has the chops. So uh, it was only a matter of a few months, I think, before she moved into an associate producer role and producer. And so we were we had been producing a number of plays um, before the romantic component kicked in. I didn't even see that coming. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know if you did. I know <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Um, but it's curious because when we eventually did decide to tie the knot, I was supposed to, um, propose to Kendra during a Sherlock Holmes play during the intermission at, uh, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. Comp, and it was, a, it was winter of 2016, I think, or no, 2017, 2017. And, um, unfortunately she had a medical emergency that required her to go to UCSF. And so I ended up proposing to her in the recovery room. Oh my goodness. Uh, I, I've never been hugged that strongly by an orderly in my life. I mean, this guy was a bear, and he was wonderful to be present when this happened. Um, I mean, he just thought it was really magical. Um, That's great. But uh, we ended up getting married, uh, carrying on the tradition of how we met in that uh, we commissioned one of our playwrights, uh, Vince Staten, who's a very gifted comedic playwright from the UK. We commissioned him to write another installment in his uh, The Misadventures of Sherlock Holmes series. And um, we found a venue to do this live comedic uh, Sherlock Holmes play. Um, and it was a beautiful venue here in Petaluma. Uh, the uh, Historical Museum and Library it dates back to 1904. And it just happened to have it happened to be the last day that they had a wedding dress exhibit from period costumes from Sonoma County that date back to like the 1800s. Nice. So we're in a big room with 100 people and the cast didn't know up until uh, dress rehearsal the night before. They didn't even know how the play was going to end. We kept holding them off for eight months with, uh, well, uh, Vince, the playwright, still hasn't come up with the ending yet. Well, in fact, he had come up with the ending a long time ago. But we handed them the last five pages of the script that night, and that's where in this Shaw Holmes mystery comedy, uh, this American couple visiting the British Museum in 1890 end up uh, getting married at the end of the play. And we stepped out and did that right in front of a bunch of people who had no idea that they were showing up to not only a comedic radio show, but a wedding. That's fantastic. So, 
I love, yeah, I really love hearing those kinds of stories. I've, I've got some, some friends who got married in a theater. It wasn't quite that creative when there was an actual play going on, but, um, but they got married in a theater because that's where they spent so much of their time. Exactly. And, um, and, and that's very cool. So at that point, were you already narrating? And so this was, uh, you said 2017. So this was in 2018 that you got married or 2019? Yes. Right, right. 2018. Okay. And uh, we were we were recording plays together. And I was actually starting into audiobook narration as a solo narrator. Um, at that point, I was I was trying to bridge that because it's something I wanted to do for a very long time. And um, so we were working towards getting a home studio set up um, and doing that. And um, some projects came to us that seemed an actual, you know, a nice fit to be done in duet style. And uh, Ralph proposed that to the clients and they loved that idea. So we really embraced it. And because we've had the previous experience of working creatively together, it was very easy for us to, um, you know, just turn that into our work dynamic here. That's great. Now, Kendra, you mentioned that you had a theater background uh, in school. Ralph, what about you? Did, had you, I know that you were involved in a creative pursuit. Is that something that you had studied for, had a passion for, been involved in uh, previously, or was that you just sort of fell into the radio players and you just kept going because you liked it? I have been recording since the age of six, uh-huh. um, and that was with, uh, at one point, a little handheld. It, would, it was about 12 ounces, this little Panasonic uh, cassette recorder we would use our uh, to create tunnel sounds. Me and the kid up the street, Louie Marinaro, would use the family uh, clothes dryer and put uh, water in a little uh, dishpan and splash it inside of this clothes dryer to create the sound of like rats going through a sewer, things like that. <laughs> so um, That's great. I can just I, see the, I can just see the cassette recorder, probably just like the one I had, little handle slides out so that you can carry it. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we probably used to one. Um, years later, I happened to stumble upon my dad's quote unquote portable uh, reel-to-reel, which weighed about 50 pounds, had a little uh, green... A tube in it so you knew it was on and the rewind didn't work on it so whenever you need to rewind you had to get out a pencil and stick it in one of those three little holes <laughs> turn it back. Uh, it had a belt missing but that's something he carried around NYU so I started recording on that for a while in in my uh, junior high years um, and then that eventually led into uh, well actually in elementary school I was producing puppet shows with a number of my friends and um, uh, so I would say theatrically even though that wasn't the study it was definitely the study in the streets, as it were. Yeah, you know, no, it sounds like it. it. Clearly, it's something that you've been interested in. And so with all that background in recording, I'm sure that getting into more of uh, the audio engineering side of your current endeavor probably wasn't that big of a stretch. <laughs> well, <laughs> the technology is a little different now. <laughs> <laughs> no, the technology is different. Yeah. It's just that my experience has been that even though there may be a steep learning curve with the new tools, my guess yeah. is that the passion for what it is that you've been doing since you were six was probably something that drove you forward uh, pretty well. That that's a fair assumption. I, I need to I need to throw in a caveat though. My right. first experience and my third and my fifteenth experience with like Audacity and Studio One, 
I was so terrified. I felt like I was looking at the instrument paddle of an F-17 and I had, <laughs> I had to defer to Kendra. Kendra um, is able to take up these technological breakthroughs a lot more quickly than I am. Oh, that's great. Um, great, great part of the team then. Yeah, actually, we do. We do complement each other well, I think, in terms of our skill sets um, that we bring to play. Um and the various experiences that we have had have helped us to um, embrace this without too many um, stumbling blocks. I think, obviously, getting into the audio uh, audio book production is there's a steep learning curve for anyone coming into that. Mm. Whether you've been a television actor, stage actor, um, an audio engineer on another level. Um, but but the whole dynamic of taking a, a, a written work and, and going from communicating that author's vision and passion all the way through the, the creative aspect, the uh, production organizational aspect, um, it, it's, um, it's, it's work, as you know. <laughs> and, and it's also very daunting. I mean, you're taking somebody else's baby and you're being asked to nurture that baby and yeah. bring it into maturation. And that is an extraordinarily, I don't want to overstate this, that is an extraordinarily uh, daunting <laughs> undertaking. It is. It's a lot, of, this, you know. a lot of responsibility. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. it is. And um, we for, are fortunate enough to really enjoy the whole aspect of it, even when we have technical snafus or headaches, um, you know, and uh, um, we're happy that we have people around us that we can go to who we can say, all right, we don't know how to handle XYZ technical problem. Please either walk us through this or can we hand it off to you and you can do it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's good. It's always good to have the, uh, the support, the support network under you for whatever the undertaking yeah. is. So, yeah. so it sounds like as you were getting into audiobooks, duet narration was one of the very first things you were doing. Yeah, yeah it, it started out very quickly for us. And, um, I think it just, it, it grew pretty naturally, um, pretty organically in, in terms of, uh, just recognizing that why not bring more opportunity to tell the female voices from the female sound and why not have the male characters from the male sound? Um, and, and in a lot of stories, it works really well. Mm -hmm. Obviously there are some where it might be a little more, um, disjointed mm -hmm. if you have, um, a male character that doesn't speak much or female that doesn't speak much and suddenly you introduce that sound, uh, the listener may have a little harder time with that. But I think in a lot of stories where the, the balance of the back and forth in dialogue or um, different um, scenes with many characters, you have a lot of opportunity that way. Yeah, I, I think that, um, some of our colleagues would probably, who've been at it a long time, would probably disagree with this. But um, I find it's a lot easier to not have to focus on the gender of my character if that happens to be my gender. Um, I can focus on other uh, dimensions of that character, but if I also, I mean, I like it or not, no matter how hard I try, Kendra plays a better woman than I do. <laughs> so, um, and, um, you know, and I have had to, I, you know, and, and she has had to play males, but um, especially in the solo projects. But you know, there are times when I have a solo project and I am just begging her at breakfast the next morning after I've been in studio all night to say, oh, can't we can't we talk this client into into making this a duet project? <laughs> 
tell me about your your booth setup. Um, describe your your recording setup for us. So um, we took the room that was formerly my son's bedroom, um, and after he moved out, it immediately got its beginnings of a makeover to become a home studio. Um, and so we now have it set up with soundproofing, and um, we've got our own mics and chairs and little open style setup for our recording spaces. We're not in separate booths. Um, but we are sufficiently far apart that we're not carrying over too much on each other's microphones, um, unless our characters are particularly emphatic. <laughs> and there is, there is actually, you know, there is soundproofing between us. Right. So while we don't have booths per se, if you were to look at our setups with our two mics and our um, uh, sound absorber panel, you know, those half moon shaped devices hooking to your to your uh, mic stand. There are also acoustic panels between us uh, that we have attached to, uh, for want of a better word, Chinese screens. So it's basically two booths within a soundproof room. Got it. And the soundproof room takes care of the ambient noise. The um, except for the airplanes. Well, except for the airplanes. <laughs> except for the leaf blowers. Yeah. Except for all the stuff. Except for all the stuff that we all have to deal with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but so, then, yeah. but then the sound conditioning stuff shot. on the inside is what takes care of re seriously reducing the amount of, of bleed that cross cross exactly. uh, well yeah. the, the bleed yeah. that you get on the microphones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and so um, so far, most of the work we've done as duet, we record together. Um, we we you know sit in as if it were a live theater or stage theater recording or something you know we're we're sitting together and playing off each other for the scenes um there are there have been some instances where we might um do our bits of the chapter separately if uh for example it's a long chapter that only one of us is really talking in for a while before the other one needs to be a part of it sometimes we'll record those separately um and occasionally, um, we will record separately depending on our schedules. I am a total night owl, and I am happy to be recording until 1, 2, 2.30 in the morning. Um, and Ralph is a morning guy and is up at 6 or 7 or maybe even earlier. Um, and so he sometimes feel that's, feels that's a productive time for him. But when, but when you record parts for a duet narration separately, you're still mm -hmm. recording them in the same space using the same microphone yeah, yeah. as you would normally yeah, yeah. recording together, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah. so yes. I, I know that that's one of the big bugaboos. Yeah, exactly. Consistency in the sound in the environment is uh, right. very, very important. So what kind of work do you normally do when it comes to duet narration? Is it mostly romance? Uh, if so, what kind of romance? Is it other types of book that aren't really focused on romance but have, uh, you know, characters of different genders that, that the, uh, the producer, the rights holder, whoever it is, wants to uh, delineate? Well, I would say in regard to romance, we have enough of that in our lives. <laughs> so <laughs> You never have too much, baby. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm learning. Clearly, I'm learning. Um, but uh, we're big fans of um, uh, crime fiction and um, uh, detective novels. Uh, mysteries. Mysteries. Um, fantasy. Uh, we're getting more and more fantasy projects. Um, not many nonfiction projects, curiously, uh, because I guess 
most of the nonfiction uh, author community uh, prefers a solo narration. Um, although I see down the road the opportunities for, for example, uh, let's take a, a therapy book where an author is trying to capture scenes from the couch. Well, it kind of makes sense to have uh, two people for those anecdotal moments. But uh, yeah, I'd say a lot of crime fiction. We've done, uh, we did a, recently did an anthology that uh, featured authors from 10 authors from around the world, all writing about the topic of murder. Um, and I will, uh, without naming that project, I will tell you that um, the, some of the material was so heavy mm. and graphic that we had to take frequent breaks. I, you know, I felt like uh, running, uh, going 10 rounds with Mike Tyson. We had to just like leave the room and calm down because it was just very emotionally uh, traumatic. Wow. And um, it can be very difficult to leave that at the door, you know, even if the door is in a studio that's 15 by 15. But it, it's, yeah. So um, there are times when you just have to really decompress. And I think we speak for a lot of narrators when at the end of a really cool project, you know, when you recorded that last chapter and uploaded it for approval, um, you, you really miss it because you've had those characters in your head sometimes for weeks and in a few cases, months. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. That's great. I'm a little surprised that there is that much duet narration going on in something like a crime drama genre. Is that just where, you know, there's a, a main character who's a cop and there's a main character who's a female protagonist or something like that? Or how, how does it break down with, with who the characters are think, that you're voicing? I think you're on the money there. You you would typically have the, the lead character who's the investigator and then other characters who come in and out of it as either leads or um, uh, victims or murderers or, you know, all of that. And then you, you place them in wherever their locale is. And so you get the opportunity to bring lots of characters into play, um, depending on how complicated the crime solving story is. That yeah. also contributes, by the way, to uh, motivation. And, um, you know, obviously we've already read the project straight through at least once uh, and made notes. But when the lead narrator is free to investigate the crime, it allows oftentimes her, in this case, Kendra, to uh, to uh, preserve that sense of anticipation without anticipating. Um, and when the other, when the supporting characters like murder or victims are uh, able to be liberated from that, it allows us to really fulfill that role. So you end up getting this um, dynamic that goes on between narrators that's really cool and, and i and i remember that from radio theater i mean that's really you know you can see how one love kind of cross over into the other mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's fascinating i'm i'm uh really interested to hear that and it makes me wonder if this is one of the things in the same way that dual narration for uh alternating point of views uh, in a romance novel has become pretty well uh, kind of the standard, I would say, uh, at this point. I'm I'm curious to see if that's something where duet narration, which is also on the upswing, becomes uh, much more common in other genres besides romance. I think it has the potential to, because um, as you may be seeing across the board with audiobooks or audio dramas, I think as we're beginning to see them as uh, more and more people are listening to multicast. Mm -hmm. approaches. Yep. Um, and so they're getting used to, or they're listening to podcasts. And so that, you know, you're hearing more and more vo voices telling the story and you begin to crave that for some authenticity. Um, 
One of the things that I think is a, a unique um, distinguishing factor between dual versus duet is how the listener responds to hearing the female saying the lines that the male says in different chapters and what that does in your mind in terms of interpretation. Um, are you still believing that voice mm -hmm. when you know that the male sounds a little different when the male speaks that way and vice versa? Um, so I don't, I don't really know. I haven't, I haven't polled people to find out what they're in, what they're feeling, but I think that's a really interesting distinguishing factor between those styles of narration. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I look and, and I've had this conversation with other, with producers at the, at the major publishers about mm -hmm. how, um, full cast and multicast and, uh, you know, dual and more than dual narration has, uh, you know, kind of come up in the world. And, uh, and as I said to them, I'm curious to see how far that goes. And, and I am with duet as well. Um, it like, as you said, it certainly does seem like the full cast productions are becoming more common. I wouldn't say that they are common, but they are certainly more common than they were previously. Right. And, uh, so it's interesting to hear that about duet. So of the, of the narration that you do now, it sounds like you both also narrate solo projects. So of the narration that you do, what kind of percentage would you say is duet narration where you're both involved as opposed to solo? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I would say I'm probably doing a little more solo than Ralph is as far as my balance. Um, but, uh, you know, so maybe it's a 60-40 for me. Um, but That's overall, it's probably about half of what we're doing. Wow, and on my even. side of the fence, well, um, I occupy part of my time, at least 35% of my time, doing multicast. Mm. And uh, we have a sister company that uh, produces multicast and for serialized audio. And, um, you know, obviously you've got full sound design, you've got music underscore interstitial music and so forth and projects like that, that you don't have in, in the, uh, traditional audiobooks. And it is a slightly different way of thinking, um, because not just because you've got more actors, um, either you're bringing them in through zoom or and recording in their separate studios, but they're able to interact with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, um, you know, in that role, I, frequently act as producer versus mm. actor. So um, it certainly helps to have a background in acting, but you have to know when to simply say to the actor, okay, here's what I picture. Now tell me what you think and and do what you think. Right. Uh, right. You know, it's a, you can't just go ahead and do the character for them. And what company yeah, so is that that you mentioned? That would be Speaks Volumes, uh, S-P-E-A-K-S Volumes. It's a division of uh, Two Nuts Productions, LLC, TNP LLC. And at speaksvolumes.biz, we do serialized audio. And um, it's really fun. I love it because the technology, thank you people at Zoom, thank you people at Skype, mm -hmm. has made it possible to have interaction in real time with actors in six time zones, sometimes six time zones. Wow. Uh, and it's a little bit like landing planes at Chicago O'Hare. <laughs> um, or herding cats as you land planes at Chicago. Uh, no but it's a, it's a great deal of fun. We love it. And what's cool about it is that the technology has now brought an art form that, you know, goes back to our grandparents sitting around the 1930s Philco radio, uh, cabinet radio. Right. It's now brought that um, art into the hands of millennials. I just think it's the coolest thing ever. 
No, that's that's very cool. Uh, and what about Squeaky Cheese? How did Squeaky Cheese Productions come into being? <laughs> Squeaky Cheese um, kind of um, was born uh, <laughs> before we became uh, the duo du- duet that we are. Um, Squeaky Cheese was a um, a company that I kind of started as I was um, starting to get into producing with uh, Petaluma Radio Players, where we met. And then Squeaky Cheese became our duet narration brand after we um, graduated from PRP. And Squeaky Cheese, the name itself, is actually derived from a cheese that I'm a little bit um, in love with called halloumi. Oh, yeah. Which, if you've eaten it, you know it squeaks when you eat it. And yeah, there, there are <laughs> a few of those. Somebody walking across, uh, walking across a floor with having just walked through a puddle. Right. I mean, it just has that really kind of crazy sound, and it, it in part also captures some of the things that we uh, uh, encountered, as do other narrators when they're just starting out uh, with ambient sound. I mean, yes. we've had <laughs> cats scratching at the door. Um, we've had buzzes that we can't figure out after tearing apart the walls and the wiring, trying to figure out where's that coming from. Mouth noises. Oh, mouth noises. Yeah. Uh, Borborygmy. All yeah. the things. Yeah. yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. One of my, one of my favorite words to love and hate at the same time. Borborygmy. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's that. That's great that that it is. It has worked out for uh, for so much duet narration in multiple genres. That's something that's uh, a little surprising to me, but I'm really excited now to hear how that uh, how that happens in the industry going forward. Um, is there anything that if something were to come along and somebody were to say, "I want to do this as a duet narration," that you would turn down for any reason? Um, hmm. Yes. <laughs> well, um, uh, let me just preface his answer by, <laughs> by saying that we have done some sort of erotica styled um, work as duet under pseudonyms. Um, and we were, you know, let's just say we're happy to keep the erotica off mic. Um. <laughs> you know, I think I should have answered that question. <laughs> um, Don't be shy, baby. Yeah, if you could, if 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 this were a um, if this were a video podcast, you'd see me blushing uh, like all shades of red right now. But um, yeah, I would say that um, erotica is an art form all its own, and uh, we've tried it. I will not speak. <laughs> I, I will not speak for my esteemed colleague. Um, but I know for me, um, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's just not my thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's, that's, that's fine. Um, I, I, that's one of the things I was wondering. I was just wondering if there's anything else. I mean, you mentioned nonfiction and, uh, aside from a, a few types of nonfiction books that I can think of, you mentioned something where there might be something with, uh, you know, speaking to clients and what the clients were, were saying, um, I'm it's I'm having a hard time seeing uh, too many other types of nonfiction where that would be uh, really appropriate. Um, so I was just well, wondering if there was anything specific that would come along where you would say, you know, I I appreciate the fact that you want to do this as a duet. I just don't think it would work. Well, first, even before duet, there's the consideration of, especially in nonfiction, where you have a lot of quote unquote experts. 
Um, you know, I, unfortunately, we're in, a, in an age now where almost anybody can become an expert if they have a big enough platform, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the information they're conveying is uh, accurate, mm -hmm. uh, is, is um, appropriate. And I think that well before we would even consider it as a duet project, we'd want to vet that client and make absolutely certain that they know their methodology, that they know their science, and that it has been tested on others. Mm -hmm. So um, that is a major consideration in the nonfiction arena for us. You know, it's one thing if we're just doing a biography, and I don't, I don't mean just doing, but I mean if we're doing a biography where there's lots of resources to uh, check out the facts. Uh, we would hope that the client has already done that due diligence. But if you get into uh, social psychology, uh, developmental psychology, um, uh, any type of motivational work, we would want to know that people have tried this method and it has worked for them. Uh, the last thing we want to do is become the voices for a particular methodology that's hurting people. Yeah. So, yeah, no, you know, I, I think that. that's so, you know, I would go there before I'd even consider the duet factor. But Again, where there is anecdotal information. I mean, I think back to Harville Hendrix's uh, Getting the Love You Want back in the 1980s on the New York Times bestseller list for I don't know how many weeks, months. But in that, in the, you know, the, he's considered the father of the idea that we tend to attract mates who most nearly represent the uh, parent or parents who wounded us as a child, even if that wound was nothing more than diaper changes. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, how we, and how we carry that through unconsciously. Well, in that book, Harville Hendricks cites a number of couples that he encountered during his 30 years of practice. He changes the names, of course. So I can see that as a perfect opportunity for having a duet narration, even though there's a single narrator. Yeah, no, it, that makes a lot of sense. I'm actually familiar with his work. So um, that, that does make a lot of sense. I think a great space for um, maybe some growth in the nonfiction for du duet narration or dual would be in uh, travel. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think if you got more writers to maybe take the he said, she said perspective on adventures that, you know, are factual, mm -hmm. not fiction stories, um, those could be those could be really uh, more dynamic, potentially. Obviously, the memoir space, biographies and things of that sort are a potential space in nonfiction for two voices um, poetry as more people are. Mm exploring where that goes. Mm -hmm. But I like the travel idea that Kendra's suggesting as a producer now, putting on the producer hat for a minute, I could I could easily see a, uh, a dramatic, uh, a fictionalized nonfiction book um, <laughs> where Anthony Bourdain goes on a cruise with uh -huh. Julia Child and seeing how the two of them argue over a three-minute egg but at the same time <laughs> they're experiencing the various islands and, and foreign destinations that they're visiting from two totally different perspectives. Sounds like you so, should, yeah, yeah. Sounds like you should take off the producer hat and put on the writer hat. But but uh keeping that producer hat on for a minute, um what would you what would you say to somebody who's listening who has discovered that dual narration and duet narration are becoming more popular and wants to do a duet narration, find a partner to do one? but who's only recording in their home studio and has no, uh, has no ability to hook up with somebody locally to do that. As somebody who has produced duet narration, what would your recommendation be? 
Well, uh, if this if you were asking this question ten years ago, I'd say good luck. Um, <laughs> I, I think now the technology is such, particularly with Zoom, as long as you have a Skype. or Skype, um, as long as you have a visual connection. I mean that a visual connection with the uh, other actor, the other narrator. Um, as long as you've got that, and they can set their levels, and you can set yours, and you both have uh, more than reasonably professional grade studios, even if they're being done out of your coat closet. Um, I think that once you work out the technical, now it's really a matter of uh, making sure that you have a synergy with that co-narrator. It doesn't matter if they are 10,000 miles away or three blocks away. It, the technology is no longer an excuse. And um, with a really, really good audio engineer in your camp, uh, that individual can take those two inputs and really make them sing. But you have to do a few test runs, and the test runs should take into account two things. First, the technology. You know, how, how are you both sounding when during a test mix? But also the synergy. You really need to see that, that the, the, if you are doing it well, you are completely losing sight of the fact that you're not in the same room. That is what I've learned with the upwards of 21 people that we have uh, produced at any given time, even in a demo situation where we're putting together a 15-minute demo for a project, for a serialized audio project. So, um, yeah, it, the, you want to make sure that you both have the technological wherewithal to, to record a really crisp track, but you want to be able to be able to see each other. And, and if you can't see each other, you should at least be able to hear each other like we're doing now. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. And then of course you, you have to have that vibe. You have to have that certain something that, uh, in a gestalt sense, you know, the whole being greater than the sum where those two people together create something much bigger than themselves. Uh, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think that for me, the key thing that you said there was, uh, I don't remember the exact words that you used, but basically having a top-notch audio engineer in your camp, uh, it seems mm -hmm. to me for something like this is, uh, paramount. And absolutely, absolutely, virtually impossible to do without that. Yeah, yeah. We work with some really good ones too. And I would say also, kind of building on what what Ralph was saying, um, is that the and you you know this from your own experiences with audio work, um, getting the dynamic of the emotion in a scene where you're actually hearing the other character speak changes how the scene plays out rather than if you are only recording your bits without the input of the other voices. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so if you can hear that from, so if you're a new narrator, but your passion is for duet style or do du or duel, um, if you can even just over the phone or through Skype, whatever platform you need to use so that you can have the conversation, do a little rehearsing so that you can at least feel those parts together, um, that may help so that you know remotely, this is what my other characters' voices would sound like. Um, and then you can start working on that. And then, as you said, absolutely, without question, have an excellent audio engineer to do all the magic and make it beautiful. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Communication key in all things. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. What has helped and, me yeah. in the past, uh, in, 
in terms of understanding how somebody else, because I haven't done any duet, but I have done some dual narration. Mm -hmm. uh, what has helped me is having my partner actually read some of her character's dialogue from one of my chapters instead oh, wow. of, mm -hmm. instead of reading from her chapter, it's like re reading the actual dialogue that I am going to have to read in her voice, the way right. that her character would read it so that, so that I can pick up on the pacing and the intonation mm -hmm. and how this, the, you know, does it go up at the end? Does it go down at the end? How, how does this character actually speak these particular words? And then for other words that that character is saying in my chapter, I'm able to sort of draw from that and and hopefully infuse that into some of the other dialogue. Um, but uh, it's always a matter of communication. It's always a matter Absolutely. of uh, being able to talk to each other and figure that out. I, and I like your idea of rehearsing what it is that you're going to be doing. Yeah, even a little bit. You know, obviously you can't, you're not going to do a rehearsal of an entire book. Right, right. If you've got a heavy dialogue, you know, a couple of pages, um, definitely. Um, it can't hurt to do that. Um, and the other thing uh, that, you know, is is sort of a blessing and a curse for us in our situation with recording is that we can give each other feedback after we've recorded something. And sometimes it's, oh, my God, that was awesome. I really enjoyed that. And sometimes it was, eh, you know, I'm no, not feeling never. that. Or this. <laughs> <laughs> but it we does. We actually uh, do. And yeah, no, tough, that's good. You know, that's being, good, yeah. It's uh, it, but we have to recognize that it's professional at that time and that it's not personal. <laughs> yeah. And that, and, and, and that actually comes pretty easy to us. Um, but I would say that one of the, and it, you just gave me some thinking here, uh, Rich, one of the advantages to duet narration is that you have another director in the room, right. you know, it's kind of mm. cool, uh, mm -hmm. to be able to have somebody who is in their character, but is also has one ear towards your performance. And, yeah. um, I can't tell you how many times I have completely flubbed an interpretation or a line. And Kendra has had to have that come to Jesus moment with me and <laughs> said, okay, we need to talk. <laughs> well, that that's great. That's a great point though, because then at that point you can say, Oh, never thought about, I mean, because we all know as narrators who are locked in our booth alone, um, 90% of the time, 98% of the time, without a directed session, um, that you have to be your own director. And sometimes yeah. it seems perfectly reasonable to say, well, of course, this is how it would be done. And it takes somebody from outside to listen to what you're doing and say, you know what, what if you do it this way, which is totally different than what you were thinking right. of in the same way that, that a director of a play that you're rehearsing would yeah. say, no, try it this way instead. And all of a sudden you get into that way and you think, wow, why didn't I think of this before? So th exactly. that's, that's a, a great resource to have somebody else there to be able to offer that. Clearly it's not going to be necessary every time, but right. in the, in the few cases where it is, um, that that's gold. Yeah, it is. yeah, and I think it's as I said, and Ralph said, we're you know we're fortunate in that we're able to keep that professional for the most part. <laughs> that that is good, actually. All kidding aside, um, I really think that for a lot of married couples, that would be difficult. I I think that uh, that if you're able to do that successfully, uh, that's that's a huge plus because um, working with someone that you're married to doesn't always work. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's an important point. And I think because we knew each other as co-workers first, um, I think that helps that mm -hmm. we 
understand what it is like to be in the professional space together um, and to work collaboratively. Um, and, you know, we we both had to say to each other occasionally, you know, you got to leave it at the door. And when you come into the studio, you're on the clock and we're this is what we're doing. Yeah. No, that's say, that's that's great. There's a perhaps an unseen uh, directorial advantage to or, or advantage to having a, a director in the uh, studio. And that's there will be times when one of us will say, man, I really just totally bomb that. And the other will say, no, actually, you waste it. And I think, you know, criticism is important, but mm -hmm. also acknowledgement when you've right. gotten it right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, no, that's, that's great. Well, so you do solo narration, you both do solo narration, you do okay. duet narration together, you produce mm -hmm. uh, multicast stuff with a different company. What do you do when you're not narrating besides <laughs> anything? Well, <laughs> Spin plays. Uh, do you want to, want to take a stab at that one? Well, let's see. We do, we, we do have hobbies, believe it or not, and occasionally we have time for them. Um, <laughs> I am a um, yarn spinner and oh. and knitter. And um, and I am the house botanist. Yes. Um, I do a lot yeah. with plants, legal plants. And, um, I, you know, we have a full-fledged... We All plants are legal. We have... Uh, we have lots of uh, vegetables and strange. I have a daughter who's turning nine in June, and we collect seeds every chance we get. And oh, then cool. the, the subsequent year, we plant them just to see what comes up. We have no idea, except in the case of like chestnuts and walnuts, but you know, we have no idea what's going to come up. And we have the whole backyard now filled with pots that have all sorts of plants, mystery plants. plants. Mystery plants. That's fantastic. So, uh, yeah. what, a, what, a, what a great activity to do with a child. <laughs> um, what, what a. Um, a great experience finding out what's going to happen. That it's exactly. it's like an audiobook. You never know until you've recorded it. <laughs> <laughs> Always back to audiobooks. Well, well, well that's cool. Uh, Ralph and Kendra, this has been fantastic. Thank you for uh, for coming on the podcast. Thank you for supporting the podcast. It is it is much appreciated. Um, I, I I certainly do enjoy getting to talk to everybody, but. Uh, it does take time, so I always appreciate any uh, any support that I have. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, that's not the reason for this interview. I really did want to talk about duet narration, and uh, I really appreciate your time. I learned a lot about it. Thank you. We Thank appreciate you. you asking the questions you ask and um, letting us share our perspectives. Yeah, you make it fun. Thank you for that. Good. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad to hear that. I hope the uh, the mocktails that you're having were good. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Let me get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will he tell likes you to that. Grow the vegetables. He doesn't like to drink them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if if you ever want to try a drink and you happen to like grapefruit, uh, the uh, Hemingway Special, one of my favorites mm. at this point. Sounds good. Just as long as the sun will rise the next day. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, he he could write and he could drink and uh, <laughs> quite 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 a loss when he was when he was gone. Oh, yeah. But um, but in any case, this is great. Uh, where can people find you if they want to look you up on the web, social media, wherever? Uh, the fastest way to find us is uh, squeakycheeseproductions.com. S Q U E A K Y. Uh, C-H-E-E-S-E, -E -E, squeakycheeseproductions.com. And um, we always respond to those who reach out to us. We're on and Facebook and Twitter. Uh, yeah, we're on Twitter. We're uh, uh, Squeaky, Squeaky Cheese VO. Uh, and so. that's both Facebook and Twitter? Uh, Facebook is uh, Squeaky, face Cheese Squeaky Cheese Productions. Yeah. All right, okay. So facebook.com forward slash Squeaky Cheese Productions. That's right. 
All right, cool. Well, this is great. Thank you guys so much for coming in. Yeah, thank, thank you. you, Rich. Well, that's it for tonight. Many thanks to Ralph Scott and Kendra Murray for coming in together. I enjoyed hearing about their duet narration experiences, and I hope you did too. Don't forget to check out the sponsor for tonight's episode, Squeaky Cheese Productions, a.k.a. Ralph and Kendra. They're on the cutting wedge. They're on the web at squeakycheeseproductions.com, and I'm very grateful for their support of the audiobook speakeasy. As always, you can find the audiobook speakeasy on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Podbean, and all the usual apps. And you can find me at richvoiceproductions.com, where I've got some samples and links to audiobooks I've narrated, and where I'm also posting episodes of the audiobook speakeasy. If you're enjoying our speakeasy chats, please take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. And if you're not enjoying them, please find a podcast you do enjoy and leave them a review. If you think this show is educational, entertaining, or valuable simply because it gives you an excuse to sit down and enjoy a cocktail in an otherwise hectic day, I'd really appreciate it if you'd add a buck or two to the tip jar. You can make a per-episode donation by signing up at patreon.com audiobookspeakeasy, or you can make a one-time donation by visiting paypal.me audiobookspeakeasy. Any financial support is greatly appreciated as it helps me keep the lights on here in the speakeasy. Special thanks to Tim Jackson for making a nice addition to the tip jar this past week. I'm glad you're enjoying the show, Tim, and I really appreciate the support. Until we see you here in the speakeasy again, I hope you can find some time to enjoy an audiobook. Cheers! Cheers!